Welcome to Smith Weekly Discussions, an occasional program for our members of Smith Weekly Research. Please note this program is a private discussion and everything contained herein is for entertainment and educational purposes only. With that, we hope you're in a comfortable position, along with your favorite beverage, to enjoy the discussion. We remind our audience to examine our show notes attached to each of our shows to better understand how our program functions. Before we get into our discussion today, we want to say thanks for questions coming from our audience at Smith Weekly, including Paul M., Jackie A., and Mike P. Steve Robertson is our guest on discussions today. Steve is the president and CEO of Infinitum Copper, the copper exploration play with various projects in Sonora State, Mexico, and also Arizona, United States. The company is listed on the Toronto Venture Exchange under the symbol INFI, and also on the US OTC markets under the symbol INUMF. Steve, welcome back to the program. How are you, sir? I'm doing very well, Andrew. Thank you very much. Well, Steve, let's kick it off here by getting your position on the broad market and then also the copper sector. Yeah, well, there's a disconnect between those two things, that's for certain. The market, as we all know, has been very painful over the last month or more, you know, and it's market sentiment that is uh, your investor sentiment that seems to be the problem there. Um, in terms of uh, the fundamentals of, you know, m major parts of the economy, things are still rolling along quite well. You know, we can see in the copper market, for instance, which is a great leading indicator for the economy. Um, the inventories are still very, very low and uh, consumption is high. And so, you know, there's a lot of uh, reason to believe that the uh, the fundamentals are still in place for a, a very bullish copper market. And we still have the looming deficit that's about uh, three years out from where we're at now. In 2025, we're going to have a, a very a dramatic shortage of supply in the copper market. And so it's very frustrating to take a look at the uh, overall market sentiment when we see the, the great fundamentals in place for things like copper. We'll see how the how long the deleveraging lasts in the broad market and how long that spills over into places like the natural resource sector. Well, last time we did a podcast, you were with Sun Metals, now called Northwest Copper. You left, uh, you took some time off. Uh, how did you come about this new opportunity with Infinitum? Well, I kind of picked up where I left off, actually. Peter McGaugh and I were both involved in uh, Sun Metals and uh, after I'd finished the merger with our neighbor Serengeti there to create Northwest Copper, uh, I took my leave from the company and Peter immediately introduced me to Jorge Ramiro, who really is the founder of Infinitum Copper. Uh, they had two gold companies and a, and a silver company in their group and wanted to have uh, a copper arm. They wanted to develop a premier copper explorer. So. Um, so Peter introduced me to Jorge, we hit it off right away and uh, embarked on this path to, to get Infinitum Copper up and running. It took us a while to get it public. Uh, we started to trade uh, on March the 16th, so it was about seven months to go through the go public process, which just indicates how backed up they are at the exchange. But uh, now that we're uh, trading, we're you know doing very well, firing on all cylinders. Well, why don't we go right to that? Why don't you give us a quick overview of the company and what the immediate objective is, and then we'll jump into cap structure. Well, the basic uh, premise for developing the company was we didn't want to be another copper explorer that was going to be bringing out old assets that didn't make it in the last price cycle and then uh, you know putting a little bit of lipstick on them and to see if they would make it this time around. We wanted to be a true exploration company. And 
you know, we have a unique advantage over most of our peers in that we've got a great uh, core group of geologists that are proven explorers, proven discoverers, and uh, have had a lot of success in the past. So Peter McGaw, uh, in my opinion, the world's leading authority in carbonate replacement systems. So um, a lot of experience with copper scarns. And, uh, and then we've also got on as a counterpart to Peter, I guess, on the porphyry side of things, uh, we've got Doug Kerwin, who was an executive vice president with Ivanhoe Mines and led the team there to a number of discoveries when he was at Ivanhoe. And many of those discoveries are now in production as mines. So two guys with a lot of experience, a lot of success behind them uh, that really uh, create a lot of opportunities. And so the idea was to build a portfolio of, of uh, properties from the opportunities that uh, Doug and Peter bring to us. And uh, so far, we've got two great projects in the company, uh, La Delita down in Sonora State in Mexico, and uh, that's a, a high-grade copper-silver scarn. And then we've just acquired another project called Hot Breccia in the heart of the Arizona Copper Belt. Very well. I appreciate that, Steve move to capital structure here for a moment, then I want to come into each of the projects. Uh, but just talk about the general capital structure, you know, shares out where you guys stand on cash. Uh, maybe just speak to the history of the company a little bit more. Well, we went public, as I said, on March the 16th, we had 40 million shares outstanding. Um, we went public at a price of 40 cents. That gives us a market cap of 15 and a half million dollars. Uh, today we're trading about 32 cents, so it's uh, it's down a little bit. That's a reflection of the the markets, not uh, uh, certainly not a reflection of how things have been going in the company. As we get out to do things like this, uh, Andrew, and tell the story, uh, more and more people will be following the story. But when we uh, raised money, it was all privately, and so um, we haven't done a public fundraise yet. And as a result, most of the stock is held by close associates and friends. And uh, so, you know, the liquidity is a little bit low right now, but we've been doing a, a lot of marketing in the last month. And you can actually see uh, quite a significant increase in the liquidity over the last month. So uh, we are getting a better and better following of the, the story as we move along. And I think that'll just continue to increase as we start to roll out some uh, additional exploration results. And maybe just talk a little bit more about prior uh, financings so far that the company has had and maybe just taking that back to the founders round. And then also, will the company be seeking to raise capital, say, within the next, you know, three to six months? We raised our money privately. As I said, the uh, two rounds that we did were at 15 cents and then at 40 cents. We did not raise money when we went public. And the reason for that was because of the structure of the deal that we did to get the Adelita project. We optioned it from a company called Menorum Gold. And the deal was that we would raise $4 million privately. And then when we went public, we would issue enough shares to Menorum to make them a 16% holder of our company. And so if we had done a capital raise at that time, uh, it would have just meant issuing more shares to that public company. So we held off on the raise. Um, we have about a million dollars in the treasury now, and that's going to... Um, you know, be enough to fund the rest of the program that we've got underway down at Adelita. But, uh, you know, clearly we're going to take, continue to monitor the markets and we're going to need to go back to the markets at some point here for additional equity. Um, we'd like to see better stabilization in the, in the market and maybe uh, 
you know, a better appreciation of our stock price on the back of perhaps some exploration results before we uh, do a raise. But uh, certainly we'll, we'll need to fund Hot Breccia and uh, hopefully an expanded program down at La Delita. Anybody else on the people side that you want to mention here? I know you mentioned a few names before, but anything uh, you want to add to that uh, before we get into the projects? Yeah, a couple of uh, key people, in addition to Doug and Peter, who I've already mentioned, uh, Jorge Ramiro really uh, is quite an expert in the capital markets game. So he's not a technical guy uh, from a you know geological perspective, but he does bring a lot of experience and insight into the capital markets. He's uh, the founder of the whole group. He met his partners actually uh, in Hong Kong doing their MBAs. Um, Michael Wood and Marco Roker, the other uh, two partners in Emerging Markets Capital. And uh, so after they'd done their MBAs, they formed this EMC in Hong Kong, and uh, it's really a merchant bank mining house. So they, they incubate junior mining companies like Infinitum Copper, and uh, but, but it's a very hands-on approach. They're uh, deeply involved in, in the companies that they sponsor. and. Uh, that's either being on the executive or being on the board or advisory board of the company. So uh, a great group of guys to be involved with. And then beyond that, I should mention uh, two uh, really uh, impressive geologists that we've got working for us down in Sonora. Uh, Ariel Navarro is an advisor to the company. And then Rafa Gerardo is a uh, our senior exploration manager, and he's our point man on site. Uh, Rafa has been working with Peter McGaw for over 30 years now. So he's had a, a great mentor and working relationship with Peter. And uh, he also, not only does he bring a lot of geological ability to the table, but he's also a great ambassador for the company and the local community. So it's very important in Mexico to make sure that you have uh, uh, land access agreements with the local ejidos or local uh, agricultural communities. And, uh, you know, Rafa was able to secure uh, those land access agreements quite easily because he has the trust and and uh, knowledge of the the people right uh, working walking down the street with Rafa is like walking down the street with the mayor in some of these small towns so it's uh, it's great to have him on point uh, making sure that the interests of the local community are are being addressed as well as making sure that we have uh, uh, some of the best geologists in the area working on our, our program and it's proven to pay off for us already. We've had some tremendous success with this exploration season, even before the, the drilling got started. With respect, let's stay on Sonora, Mexico, La Abelita project. Why don't you talk about what deposit types uh, we're dealing with here on this project? What is the plan, Steve, and what are your expectations for this project at this point? It's not uncommon in a lot of the carbonate replacement systems in northern Mexico to have a buried porphyry system that drives the entire um, mineralized district. And that's exactly what we have on our property. We've got this uh, buried copper moly porphyry. And what that did was bring in all the metals into the area. And when those uh, fluids carrying the metals go out into the surrounding area and react with the limestones, it deposits high grade mineralization. In our case, it's high-grade copper-silver mineralization. Um, that's what we have at uh, the Cerro Grande zone, which is the main zone that we've got on the property. It's got about 15 drill holes into it so far. We know it's about 400 meters long and 300 meters deep, but it's still open in all directions. And, uh, and 
in addition to that, we've made three brand new discoveries on the property this year. I mean, it's, uh, I, you know, it was expected that we were going to be able to find more mineralization, but three significant individual discoveries uh, already in this season is a pretty tremendous result. And the best of those three was actually uh, at Las Trancas, one of the zones toward the south end of the property. And uh, uh, we had a trench there that discovered mineralization, uh, nine meters of 16 and a half grams gold and 2% copper, very high grade mineralization. We have no, uh, uh, no certainty on the controls on mineralization there or, or really uh, anything about it. So we've got uh, additional trenching going on in that area right now to open it up further to see if we can uh, figure out how to uh, approach this from an exploration perspective to prove that it's got uh, uh, some legs to it, some, some depth and uh, breadth to it. So um, very exciting things going on in the property. We're just going to continue to uh, fund the exploration there, but with a keen eye to trying to define something that would be mineable. We're not going to chase after the porphyry target because in this part of the uh, northern Mexico, typically the porphyries are what cause the mineralization, but they're not the the best target themselves. The surrounding high-grade mineralization is is usually where the the meat is, and uh, so that's what we are going to be chasing is the high-grade copper, silver, scarn part of the system. And uh, we think that a relatively uh, modest size of the high-grade mineralization that we're seeing uh, would form a, a fairly productive mine in this part of the world. Talk just a little bit more, a few steps down the road here on this project. What would you envision to happen here? Post some success, let's assume some success here. What would you be doing next? Just give the audience a little more flavor as to the priorities here, and then we'll move over to Arizona. Well, I really like Adelita because for a company like Infinitum Copper, it gives us a lot of optionality. Um, you know, if you if we find a, a big porphyry system, uh, quite often those big open pit mines, like you see a lot of in Arizona, uh, you know, the capital cost to build something like that is in the billions of dollars. Um, a small, you know, say 10 million tons of 2% copper equivalent, which would be a realistic uh, target for Adelita in the high-grade copper SCARN. Uh, you know, something like that is quite manageable by a, a company like Infinitum. And we have the expertise within the company to, uh, to be able to build the mine. So it gives us the option of, you know, we don't have to sell out to uh, another copper company or a copper developer to uh, necessarily bring benefit to the shareholders. We have the option of actually being able to go out and, and build a mine and operate it if, if that looks like it's the best path forward. So pretty exciting from my perspective. And we do have uh, a lot of uh, uh, operational expertise in the company. And I, I think most importantly, we know how to build a uh, developer team. And, uh, and so that would be a good option for us. That sounds good. Looking forward to seeing what happens next on this one. And how about Hot Brescia, Arizona? Uh, talk about this project. What do you like about it? What are the immediate plans? Yeah, Hot Brescia is a really interesting, this is kind of a, uh, a research project. Now, it's, it's amazing to me that this opportunity has uh, gone undiscovered. Uh, before now because it really is a compelling story. Um, we've got a project where we're right next door to a former uh, operating mine called Christmas Mine. We're right in the heart of the uh, 
uh, great Arizona copper belt, one of the most productive copper belts on the face of the planet. And there are elephant deposits in every direction. We've got uh, San Manuel Kalamazoo to the south of us. We've got the Resolution deposit to the north of us. We've got Morenci to the east of us. And we actually have a smelter uh, two kilometers away from the edge of the property. So it, in terms of location, you couldn't imagine uh, anything better than, than what we've got here. But the geologic thesis behind this story is, is very compelling. Um, the mine next door, called Christmas Mine, produced from 1905 to 1981. And it produced about 25 million tons of 1.8% copper. So a really high grade resource, moderate size. And when you look over at our property, you see nothing but volcanics. But because of the stratigraphy in the area, we know that underneath of those volcanics, there should be the same host rocks that hosted all the ore over the Christmas mine. And uh, as a matter of fact, uh, there was a guy that did a master's thesis back in 1972 on our property. And he actually found that not only are there a bunch of volcanics over on our property, but there's these hydrothermal breaches that have ripped up rocks from down below and brought them up to surface. And they're frozen there in time. And when you take a look at the fragments that are in those uh, breaches, you can actually see that, yeah, they're limestones from down below. They're heavily scar and altered and heavily mineralized. So we, it's proof positive that there's a strong hydrothermal system at depth. And there's been, in the 70s, there was a few drill holes that were actually drilled in the area and proved that, sure enough, there's strong alteration and strong mineralization at depth. But then the Christmas mine shut down in 1981. Everybody left the area. And there's been no interest in the area since then. And, uh, and so it's been sitting dormant for 40 plus years, waiting for us to come in and, and pick up the, uh, the torch and, and carry the project forward. So it's a great opportunity for us to bring in a modern exploration toolbox. We can bring in things like uh, deep looking geophysical techniques like uh, VTEM, where we fly a survey and it does a really good job of mapping out sulfide systems in depth and things like that. So we can take a fresh look at the exploration in the area. It's gonna take a few deep drill holes uh, to test our thesis. But uh, I think by the time we're done, say 10 deep drill holes, we'll probably have a good idea whether we wanna carry forward with the project or not. The risks uh, at Hot Breccia are certainly higher than they are down at La Rita, but the potential rewards are enormous. So if we find uh, a deposit, uh, like others have been found in the area, we're in elephant country. And so, you know, the, poten the potential to find a big deposit here are, um, you know, very compelling. So I think that uh, this is gonna bring a lot of excitement to the market. And also that the two projects work very well together because, you know, we're in a drilling program at Latalita right now. We'll be reporting on that drilling for several months to come. And then after the reporting on that program is winding down, we should have permits in place to be able to start the deep drilling at Hot Breccia. And, uh, and so the two projects will naturally interfinger with each other in terms of the news flow. And we'll be able to keep the, uh, the investors satisfied in terms of uh, an exciting story on their plate at all times. What do you think, and I know this doesn't apply necessarily to, to exploration at all, but you know, as these projects in Arizona advance uh, and you get into permitting, what do you think of Arizona as a jurisdiction now with respect to permitting? We've definitely seen some challenges, but you know, for anybody who's looking to develop a project, which is obviously not you, but uh, what do you think on permitting and the jurisdiction that Arizona provides at this point? 
I think that Arizona is a great jurisdiction to be in from uh, from a mining perspective. Clearly, it's a part of the world that has relied heavily on mining uh, as the backbone of the economy there. And uh, there's no such thing as an easy jurisdiction anymore. It it does not exist. Um, uh, there's about half the world that we won't work in because of the lack of security of tenure and the, the lack of ability to permit deposits. And we do not include Arizona in that part of the world. We think that this is a, uh, a place where, um, you know, permitting should be pretty straightforward. Now, there are a couple of examples of uh, good deposits in Arizona that have seen permitting challenges. And, uh, you know, I don't think that there's any reason to think that hot breccia would fall into the same pitfalls um, as those uh, those deposits that have been challenged. Um, you know, they've got very specific uh, land use issues around them that uh, I don't think would apply in our case. We've got two nearby towns uh, where virtually 100% of the community is employed by mining or spin-offs of mining. So it's a very friendly community to be working within. Uh, I really think that uh, in terms of a ranking of places where I would want to work in uh, in the world, uh, Arizona ranks up there very highly. We'll see how Arizona goes here with some of their imminent permitting projects. You know, you've got an ISR project there that's being permitted, Florence Copper, and you've got, of course, some, some bigger stuff, Resolution, et cetera, that continues to be battled out there. But uh, interesting jurisdiction, Arizona, at this point. Um, you know, there's a few good ones left in the States, as you know. Overall strategy here, Steve, where would you like to see this company, say, in the next 12 to 18 months? And what do you see as the overall strategy here for the company? Yeah, well, as mentioned in the beginning, we want to make sure that we identify uh, Infinitum Copper as one of the premier copper explorers out there. Uh, we want to stand out from our peers by being a group that really is uh, skilled at identifying opportunities to make discoveries and build wealth through discovery. And uh, and so far, I think with the two projects we've got in the portfolio, uh, we've uh, done an excellent job of identifying opportunities like that. And I think over time, we'll continue to build the portfolio. I, ultimately, I'd like to have four or six uh, projects in the company and uh, we can continue to cultivate them and move them forward as we have success on them. And, uh, you know, as the exploration game goes, if we're not having success, then we look for additional opportunities to replace them. So um, we've got the right team. We're working in the right jurisdictions. And I think we're off to a, a running start with uh, the two projects that we've got. And for potential investors who are on the sidelines listening here, Infinitum Coffer stands at about 12 million Canadian market cap here. What would you say to those who are listening about the opportunity with this exploration stage company? You know, I first think, first of all, you have to take a look at, do you, are you a believer in copper? And if you've uh, done any research into the fundamentals on the car, copper market, uh, you know, it's pretty compelling that you do want to be invested in this sector. And if you're going to be looking to invest in, in exploration companies, I think that Infinitum Copper really stands out from its peers in terms of the uh, the people behind the company and uh, we're very early stage and it's a pretty compelling value at 12 million market cap best way for investors to contact the company yeah you can reach up to, out to us through our website uh, www.infinitumcopper.com and uh, actually the general email address is info at infinitumcopper.com or you can just email me directly steve 
at infinitumcopper.com. And uh, we also have on our website a number of social media links so you can follow the company and our progress as, as we move forward. We're very active on social media, so that's really a, a good way of keeping abreast of what's going on in the company. Well, Steve, thank you for taking the time to introduce us to Infinitum Copper. Good luck with the venture. We'll speak soon, sir. Thank you. Okay. Thank you very much, Andrew.